Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And we're back for another season of, of Dwarfy goodness. So welcome back, guys. Hope everybody had a nice, a nice break. Oh, yeah. I played plenty of Dwarf Fortress, and I finally had a fortress collapse under its own weight. My frame rate went down to 10, 12. It was just so slow that I, I just was just too annoying to play. So I retired that fortress. As, as you should. Uh, sometimes I found when that happens, you can um, you can go cut down trees because I've had somebody get stuck in a tree. And if somebody gets stuck in a tree, uh, I've seen that do really bad things to my forts. Um, and then I go cut down the tree and then all is well again. If I can manage to get a dwarf up there in the hour that it probably takes to get him up there with the broken frame rates. But that could be a problem sometimes. Unless it was truly just a giant fort that you had. It was a good-sized fort, and I had like uh, 180 dwarves in it, so that was part of it. I was also in a in a heavily forested area, so it's quite possible that I had someone stuck in a tree, and I and I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, that can be a killer. Although I didn't have any warnings for like the last year saying that anybody was dehydrated or starving or anything. That's a good sign, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And I had. I had that happen earlier in the fortress. It was, um, I had two or three dwarves who weren't able to collect the items they needed for their artifact. And you know what happens whenever that happens. Mm -hmm. They don't love that. Yeah, you try to get what you think that they want. And if you can't figure it out, they just go into a melancholy and, you know, wander around outside in the rain until they die. Oh, it's sad to see it. If you're lucky. (laughs) If you're not lucky, they go berserk and start killing people. Yeah, I hate it when they um, when they just when you just can't get them back. It's very unsatisfying. True, true. You just feel so darn bad for these guys sometimes. What about you guys? How did y'all uh, have any notable fortress activities in our break? I was cruising along really well with um, my fortress on on this Mac I have, where the performance was doing really well, and I think we talked about that a little bit in the episode that we. Well, I guess that we didn't end up releasing. Um, yeah. But I'd gotten it running on the Mac M1 chip. What will forever be known as the lost episode. Yeah, the lost episode. But I'd gotten it running really well on the M1 Mac, and then I've updated to the new version of Mac OS 11.1, and it doesn't run anymore, which is a bit of a disappointment. Oh. So there's really? no more Dwarf Fortress on Mac. Um, Even with... Uh, so it won't run under Rosetta? Or Rosetta 2? Nope, it just crashes now. Same thing. Everything was all hunky dory and great, but now it's it's totally done. So I upgraded to the new version, the beta version of macOS, and it's still broken. So hmm. pretty disappointing. Hmm, that's sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we will either lose Dwarf Fortress on the Mac, or when Tony does the new release, he'll compile for the new Macs. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a bummer. So I started playing around and see if I could get it to run under any other ways and methods and means, but it's just kind of not likely. But oh, oh well. So, Tony, do you do any Mac development? No, not really. I'm not like a, I'm not like a coder. I can I can install stuff and I can play around with binaries and config files and 
you know, OS level stuff, but I don't write software or anything now. So, yeah, I was kind of wondering if there was something fundamentally different about the, uh, about the ARM architecture that, that, uh, that causes the libraries using being used to build door fortress to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very weird. Yeah. No, this ain't, this isn't a coding podcast. So, <laughs> you know how, you know how much great information you get from the door fortress client when it crashes. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was that sarcastic or? Yes, very white. Okay, I think Meth brought that up one time when he had it when we had him on. He was he was <laughs> describing the trials and tribulations of of um of just how painful it can be. Yes, the 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 warning messages in a dwarf fortress crash are akin to the warning messages Windows gives you whenever you pull the plug on your computer. Oh, nice. <laughs> We're just getting a few things ready for you. Oh, thanks. Roland? What are you going to do? Yes. Did you have uh, any holiday fortresses? Um, yeah, but nothing really that special because um, all I did was uh, I started a new world and made it very, very peaceful. And I just quickly wiped out the only goblin fort in the entire world so that mm-hmm. I had no no evil beings to deal with. Um, then I just started plopping down fortresses like a madman and trying to find like the best pathing stuff. It was just about pathing and, and uh, making the way I build fortresses more like, how you say, less FPS knowingly, so that uh, my walks actually go somewhere instead of dragging my poor PC down. I did that a lot because it started to make kind of a weird sense of fun. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you, you see like, oh, yeah, okay, I can dig things out this way. But if I do it the other way, then I have a few steps less that my dwarf has to take to get from A to B. And and this this mind work you have to do for that is absolutely dumb and exhausting, but I liked it. Besides that, I just played some adventure mode and went around as a bard because I like the music instruments in the world, or generally in, in Dwarf Fortress. And I managed to get a troop going with a drummer, a like f- flutist. An elf with a flute, of course, of made of wood. And I later on had something that came really close to being a banjo made from glistening metal, a.k.a. like the holy metal, with forgotten beast strings. And I picked it with a goblin bone, uh, what's it called? Like a plectrum. Plectrum. Yes, wonderful. It was so ugly in my mind, but so lovely. Also, it was worth about a full fortress of people. So, you know, I had that going. You talked about optimizing for FPS. And that, I think, is one of the things that I decided that I need to work on a little bit better. I need to work on keeping the stockpiles a little bit closer to the to the workshops that the dwarves are working in because I have a feeling that a lot of my, my frames were eaten up 
by dwarves hauling stone from, you know, five levels away. Cause I had a lot of stockpiles. I would, every time that I had a, uh, you know, a, an area that was pretty much mined out as far as I wanted to do it, I would just move my workshops downstairs and build more stockpiles. So without uh, decommissioning previous stockpiles. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That might help me next time. So do you, so what are your tips for like, what do you think are some of the best things people could do to have an FPS efficient fort? That one's for Roland. (laughs) I'm Um, not good at that. Well, okay. Uh, The first thing I've noticed is, of course, uh, stairs, while being fairly fast, are usually not the best way to do things. Um, I have the feeling that making a wide channel from A to B sometimes is just the better pathing for things i mean okay if you want to go down 22 z levels then you might want to consider doing stairs instead because that is just way faster but um for example i like making my trade depot down in the in the fortress itself so that the traders have to go all the way into my fortress while my dwarves just have to haul things from inside the rest of the fortress to the inside of the trade depot that is, you know, not that far away. I got a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. So whenever you said that uh, stairs versus the, the wide path, are, are you meaning that you should, uh, you think that uh, channeling down Z layers is better than stairs or just that you should try to keep your stockpiles uh, on the same Z level as the, as the uh, activity that you're, you're, you're feeding from those stockpiles. Yeah. About that. This is really interesting because I tried um, something that I read on the wiki and it worked kind of great, but it looked not as good (laughs) because what I did was um, I made only the workshop areas in a specific Z level. And then the Z level below that was just the workshops for these, uh, the not the workshops, the stockpiles, the stockpiles for the workshops right. above. So all the dwarf had to do was go to the workshop and then craft something or get the materials from below and mm-hmm. then go up again, craft something, and bring it down again. And all the workshops below were linked to each other so that the dwarf just had to go into the stockpile layer, which was also accessible uh, from the main stairway. And uh, that seemed to work fairly well, but it looked pretty bad because you have a full layer of just stockpiles and nothing else and just random stairs everywhere. It, it's interesting the differences in aesthetics because I I actually do that. That's my n- normal operation to put the stockpile a Z level below or or above where my workshop is, and so that they can have a stairway that pretty much pops right up in the middle of the stockpile. But yeah. I like the way that looks personally. Huh. Yeah, I, I agree. I've been doing that with mine. I like to give them those stairways with little stock access to their stockpiles and stuff. I've been doing that a little bit, but I'm not very good at making it look pretty, I guess. So it would be interesting to find out if there is a difference between, uh, you know, clock ticks between a dwarf going down 20 Z levels by stairs and 20 Z levels by channeled. 
Um, yeah, there, there is a bit of a difference simply because uh, when you want to do the channeling right, then you have to make one ramp up, one ramp down on the same level. Thus, the way for channeling is longer than just a stair. So if you want to do like a fast way from the top of your fortress to like the pits or the magma forges, then stairs are the way to go. Yes. But when you give them more space, you know, like not just a single pathway, meaning one block wide, but you give them more space, it seems to be better for your FPS. So uh, making everything that is connected to each other uh, should be above or below each other. Some things that are not connected can be on the same space, but in general, it seems to be working fairly well when you put the workshops in like a top-down tower kind of thing, where you have like the 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 workshops on top, then come uh, the stockpiles in the middle, and below that, maybe even more workshops. And uh, all three Z levels are accessible by your main stairway. Cool. I also did a thing where I just uh, did a main stairway around my Dwarven Toilet trademark. Um, (laughs) That took the dwarves forever to get down and up, but... I had some special stairways that only go from one level to another. For example, I had a stairway from the main living hall going down to the first cabin layer. I had a second stairway from that very same level to the second cabin layer and so on. And um, so they had like fast ways to go up and down to specific Z levels. Um, what? Great. Also, I put the, what you call it, like the loom where they have to go out and uh, get some spider webs. I made a small loom workshop thingity-bob in the cavern layer so Mm. that they actually have to go to the cavern layer to access the loom, make clothing and, and, and not clothing, the just cloth, just cloth. Um, that kind of worked great, but I had to make some specific uh, hauling dwarves that had little to no job, and all they had to do the entire day was just hauling, which wasn't great for their mood, honestly, but uh, it sped up my fortress as well as my FPS, I would say. In case anyone is listening and heard the the phrase dwarven toilet trademark, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that refers back to episode five in which horse soap, animal pits, and auto flush toilets are considered. And glancing over the show notes, I believe that that was also Tony's very first episode with us. So it was back in May of 2019. That's good. I always like to start in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that you talked about right there Roland reminded me the dev update that came out at the beginning of the month and Tody said the stairway creation is going to be improved in the in the new version so that it creates a 
upstair and a downstair and an up downstair all with the same the same movement so you don't have to put a downstair on one level and a upstair on the level below that was surprisingly hard for me to wrap my head around whenever i first started playing the fact that you needed to do it the stairway from both sides oh oh yeah okay okay um uh honestly like what's it gonna do like Um, basically whenever you say stairway i didn't understand that i was trying to figure it out and i was like well isn't that the way it works i well a, a bit but if you build a downstair from from level one if you want your doors to be able to get back up it you've got to go to level two and build either an upstair or an up downstair uh, on level two in the same spot okay so yeah. now apparently it sounds like that whenever you build a downstair from level one it automatically creates an upstair on level two so that you don't oh. have to do two operations to do the same staircase. Oh, I mean, all right. Okay. If you think about yeah, it in real so life, wave- whenever you build a staircase down, it exists for the other level two. Yeah. So the way that I've done it is I'll build a staircase down and then on the next Z level, I build the up down. That's the way I do it as well. And you're saying it'll just be like a stairway button and it's not going to sweat us the concept of. Right. I think where this especially becomes, uh, uh, important is whenever you're building a stairway down into an existing layer that I mean an existing hollowed out area because before you would actually have to go to construct an upstair mm-hmm. yeah and otherwise you're just going to be opening a hole in the floor right yeah and now it, yeah. it does just construct a thing for you that sounds like that's going to be the idea for the uh, in the steam release interesting yeah well, I, for one, welcome our new stair building overlords. This sounds pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Hey, did you guys check out the uh, the winter video that Tony released? I didn't see a video. No. Yeah, he he did another. Uh, it was in, I guess, mid December. Um, I will post a link to it in the show notes, but he is playing some on on Zach's fortress that uh, that Zach was using for testing. So, yeah, you know, I actually think that it's getting to the point where I can be optimistic that we might have a release this year. Oh, yeah, I hope so. But we're not talking about like spring. I'm pretty sure it's like autumn or maybe even late autumn early early winter because yeah. i feel they still have some some ways to go especially when it comes to like polishing uh which is fine they should take their time yeah i'm not trying to pressure them but uh you know i do do, do honestly have my hopes up yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's reasonable i think you're right i think it'll be next year it- I was going to say next year at this time, this year. but next year, pretty darn close to this time is what I think. Oh, you think 2022? I, I'm imagining that, that something's going to need to come out this year. I think you're right. I mean, I'm surprised that, that, that yeah, that, I don't know. It has been a while since the announcement. I appreciate him not 
giving us the next version of cyberpunk Dwarf Fortress style. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to say when when I was like, oh yeah, take your time, please polish the middle game. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you got the hint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that was, can we just talk about that being the biggest gaming facepalm of the year? Um, and we certainly don't want to see that happen to our our beloved game here. So yeah, no, I yeah, whatever, I agree. whatever it takes to not have us clipping through the floor or whatever the door fortress equivalent is. All the door fortress bugs are often much more entertaining. Um, <laughs> but yes, exactly. We we do not want to have that kind of trouble. <laughs> Hilarious though it is. Where is my Hassan Pfeffer? There's that. I do appreciate the steady trickle of graphic view updates that we're getting. I think that that's really cool. And I, and of course I always like the stuff when he goes to the forums and starts, you know, responding to people's questions. I did notice that one thing that had come up is something that we'd talked about a bit here, which is just how quickly undead sieges can come now. And there seems to be some, I noticed that there was a little bit of a controversy in the forums about that, where somebody was just like, you know, somebody had said, Hey, will you be tuning the undead sieges, you know, much the way that you've tuned other things to make it kind of be a little less overwhelming. And then of course, somebody replied back L2P noob kind of thing, you know, just like, Oh, get good or whatever, which I haven't seen very much in the door fortress community. And I appreciate that. I haven't seen that very much, but it was sad to see that in, in response to somebody saying, can you tune this? Cause I do think the necromancer siege thing is a little, uh, I think the pendulum has swung a little too far in the wrong direction because if you do old worlds, you know, it, it's not as easy sometimes to just not build next to the tower. Um, yeah. Was this on Reddit so, or was this on the, the, uh, it was on the, the it was on Bay 12. Oh, wow. That's really surprising. And I think Clino Dev had kind of said, well, look, you know, there's a balance here, guys. And I think balance is pretty reasonable. And then, you know, somebody else was just like, don't be such a noob. And I was like, oh, come on. Don't, you don't need to flex your door fortress skills. It, it's not, it's not yeah. a thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not a thing that we need to compare as humans. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I would love to see a little more balance in that. So I was kind of glad to see that that was part of those Q and A's. Because you can definitely get yourself in some trouble with world gen now if you go old world. And those necromancers, I think, are just a bit too powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was really happy about our non-toxic community and, and like the friendliness of everybody. But wow, d d don't be rude, people. Yeah, this, this goes out to our listeners. Don't be rude. <laughs> it's a... Uh... You know, you know how it goes. Um, it is something that the community is going to have to keep a uh, keep a bit of an eye on, especially when this thing comes to Steam and we and and there gets to be a wider player base. Yeah, that is true. Well, yeah, exactly. And I and I think you know, even taking this one, yeah, like I think in many situations, not building next to the tower is a good idea. I mean, just is, is a way to play. Not putting yourself right next to the tower is awesome. But I do think that when we reply to people posting these questions, like why did the undead come before my first migrant wave? Like that, I think, is not an expected thing to happen. Um, and I'm not sure even 
the most grisliest, best Dwarf Fortress player in the world would be able to survive and thrive in that kind of a setting. So I, I think, you know, like this game is wonky and there's no, no two worlds are the same. So I think responding to people, you know, if you're going to take the time to respond to people, just, you know, be cool is <laughs> all I'm saying. Just, you know. Explain it like it's your grandma or something. I don't know. <laughs> and you could have feel played, like your grandma. Don't do that. I, I don't know, but you see what I mean. You, you could have played this game for quite some time without realizing that those particular symbols on the cryptic world map mean <laughs> a necromancer tower because it wasn't yeah. until we were playing and we were looking at Crazy World, uh, which is uh, Tony's really crazy world. We were looking at that and. I discovered that those actually were necromancer towers. So I might have plopped my fortress into the same square as a, as a necromancer tower and not really even realized I was doing it. Yeah. After playing for three years. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing that I caution. It's like you, you kind of rest on your laurels a little bit in this game. Like you're like, I got it. I know exactly what I'm doing, which is, which is how I ended up with that crazy world thing. I was like, I got this. I can survive anywhere. Let's do a, Let's just uh, take the guardrails off and go insane and, you know, let it build that 1200 year old world or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. This introduced a new level of challenge and difficulty, which is what I was looking for. But (laughs) measured, maybe. And to act on the principle of charity, it could also be that the person who wrote the uh, wrote the message, don't be such a noob or however it was put. It may not have been voiced in his head the way it came out on on her uh on on the screen right we have all had that experience i think absolutely internet you know tone of voice does not come across in text communications over the internet what are you saying about me man (laughs) and the person who receives that voice is most likely going to be a bit defensive anyway and will interpret it in the worst possible stance yeah, so. here. it's it's tricky. But yeah, I, I think the reminder there is that we are going to at some point see an absolute deluge of new players because mm-hmm. I think there's a whole bunch of RimWorld people out there who are kind of like eyeing, eyeing this release very carefully and I think are going to take to it very quickly because I think RimWorld is definitely a great um, enabler <laughs> or, oh, yeah. or a conduit. Yeah. You know, I think yep. if you know how to play RimWorld really well, you're gonna you're gonna be able to land this game really well. We're also going to have a deluge of Fortnite players who are gonna go, God, this game sucks. How do you play this? This is awful. Ugh. This game's well broken. Why do people say this is good? <laughs> it, it will be interesting nonetheless. Um it will yeah, be, I'm, uh... I'm kind of excited to see what some of these RimWorld people bring to the party because those RimWorld mods are hardcore. Yeah, RimWorld they are, are light. <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome. I'm like, come on, RimWorld modding community, bring your your wonder, wondrous joy to us because <laughs> some of those mods are just <laughs> are the coolest things ever. Yeah, as I say, I was I was stuck in trying to fix the Mac version of the game, doing all kinds of unfun, non-dwarfy things to make it to, to, 
to get me back up and running, but to no avail. Um, so yeah, that if, that sucked up my playtime, which is just installing the game is definitely not the same as playing a game. Way less fun. <laughs> so yeah, if anyone has had any luck, so so when you first got the, we're talking about the uh, the new ARM processor based. Uh, yeah, uh, is it a MacBook Air? Is that right? The one yeah, you've got. That's right. So, but the new MacBook Air and uh, I think a MacBook Pro thirteen both uh have have the newest versions have this new apple silicon m1 processor it's uh, arm yep. it's no longer intel but um yep, that's right so they are also updating their operating system to to go along with uh, arm based instead of intel and it sounds like it just broke dwarf fortress on this most recent operating system update you had it running before though right I did. I did have it running before. And I feel like this one's on Apple because I'm like, Apple, is Door Fortress not part of your testing regimen when you release OS releases and <laughs> point releases? Because it really should be. So, Tim Apple, if you're listening right now, buddy, get this sorted out. Did you, uh, did you have to use the Rosetta interpreter to get it to run? You don't have to it was do running? anything. It's awesome. It just does it by itself. So it knows that it's a Mac app and it looks at it and it's like, Oh, it's an Intel Mac app. Let me just go do this thing that you'll never see. And then it runs it and it just came Ah. up and I was like, well, that seems too good to be true. Um, but yeah, it worked and and you have to do the normal Mac jankiness, like change the print mode to frame buffer. I don't know why that works, but I read that years ago and I always do that now and it's makes the Mac version so much more pleasant to play on. Um, but nothing, Go to privacy settings and say yes. Mac had nothing to do with this, and I realized that I could, you know, burn in hell for the all eternity for running this non Macintosh app. But I'm gonna say okay, do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll get sorted at some point. But um, but yeah, if so, I was just kind of wanting to update that because I had posted a Reddit thread sharing some of the benchmarks that I'd gotten and. Um, and was very excited about it. And I've gone back subsequently to edit that Reddit post and say, I think something broke it. Um, but so if, hey, post, if, that, you know, post that Reddit hmm? post to, uh, if you don't mind that Reddit thread to, to the, uh, to the channel so that uh, I can put that in the show notes. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you know what it, what it was at one point in time. I have a couple more things I'm going to try. I haven't given up, but, um, I had also started playing around with, um, there's there's a guy that does the Linux that maintains the Linux new pack, and I think it's Mick McArcady. Mm-hmm. Does that name sound right to you? Yeah, well, I always said McArcady, but but you McCarkady. know, McArcady. There we go. Yeah, so he's got his thing, LNP Forge, and you can basically it's just you pull it from GitHub and it goes out and builds you a package for it, which did which has worked on Mac and has been awesome. But again, there's some challenges, but it's it's close i i feel like i can solve this so i've got a few more things i'm gonna pull out of my sleeve and see if i can make it work that reminds me also paradexus Laurent uh released oh, yeah. uh version 11 of the lazy noob pack for uh for windows machines i haven't tried it out yet i haven't downloaded it i will probably do that this evening if i have time but uh yeah glad to see that that one's out and for whatever reason i could never get the versions after six to run stably for me. Um, 
version six, uh, release six of uh, the Lazy Noob Pack ran fine. Everything after that for me has had a has has crashed. So we'll see. Um, hopefully, this one doesn't crash. I'll report my findings. Okay, yeah. can can we just add for a single second that this guy is an absolute machine? <laughs> like he is cranking out stuff while working and and doing other thing. It, it, it's amazing. Like, thank you, thank you, big big ass. Thank you from the whole community because he needs it. You no. Know? Yes, Paradexus Arant, but but there's so many creators out there. Well, you've got the legions of people who are helping keep Stone Sense and and some of those utilities functional and running. And then I think there's been I, don't, I can't remember what happened with Textfully Text, but I think there was some hackery that happened there to keep that functional and running too. So it's pretty neat. Um, and and the crew behind DF Hack, whoever they all are, uh, yeah, again the, is another real feat of strength pandemic flex it's a it's a it's a lot like open source software maintenance it's in a lot of respects a very thankless job for no money and people just have to do it for the love of it hey everybody wants their free adamantine axes so i'm glad that they're out there for the taken so anyway let's wrap this up i'm i'm trailing off into into the sunset (laughs) <laughs> We're going off into the sunset, indeed. Uh, well, um, you guys got anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this one up? Um, I don't think so. I think I think I'm set. This, you know, this is just kind of like a, a welcome back to the to the world, and and here yeah. we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. This is episode 42. I would be remiss in saying uh, I would be remiss in not saying that this episode is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. <laughs> Did nobody? Uh, I, I know oh, that some I, of them I'm a Douglas just Adams fan. I got it. Okay. <laughs> you know me. I Are like still there, Roland. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. No, that went over my head. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, then you certainly uh, you seem like the, a person who would enjoy reading the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. To Galaxy. Me, Oh yeah, my bad. I'm Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right? It's something that uh, it's a short novel, the first one, and at, by the end of that novel, you'll get that joke that I just made, and uh, by the end of that novel, you'll know whether or not you want to continue it. Most likely, though, you want to read them all. <laughs> okay, it's fun. It's probably a 150-page it. book. It's it's a it's oh, a blast. That's easy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams from about 1980 or so. Mm-hmm. 79 or 80. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Later, folks. All right. Well, Very rock cool. and roll. Awesome, dudes. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. 
please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.io.